0: Uh, starting a series, or really Pastor Sharon started it off for us last week on um, becoming intercessors, and she spoke on uh, the, the power of prayers of lament. How amazing was last week? Oh, wow, Do you enjoy that? That's so on podcast. Yeah. I think it was such a powerful way for us to just remember that God is not a God who just wants to relate to us as though we're some kind of weird robot. Yes. He relates to us as humans, and um, we're going to continue uh, talking about prayer Um, And it is one of our three focuses this year, our leadership team got together end of last year and we talked about what what do we need to focus on and and we landed on friendship, discipleship and prayer Um, and so we've uh, spoken about uh, discipleship and friendship already this year. And so now's the time to talk about prayer. But as you can see, um, instead of saying uh, becoming prayerers, um, we've gone with becoming intercessors. And there's a reason for that. I didn't just go, oh, you know, becoming prayer warriors, becoming prayer people. It wasn't that the word didn't make sense to me, but it was something about becoming intercessors that God has been putting on my heart, and it's something that I've been exploring. Um, over the last year, I started to hear this, and uh, the Bible actually has a really, to me, bizarre theme um, where uh, of, of intercessors, and God really loving and, and interacting with intercessors. And so today I'm going to be laying the groundwork. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how to pray a lot more. Yes. Um, but why are we becoming intercessors? What is it about an intercessor? Let me first define intercessor. According to uh, the English dictionary, an intercessor is someone who intervenes on behalf of someone else. Okay? Not that one. That one's a bit later, Nebs. Um, An intercessor is someone who intervenes on behalf of someone else. That's basically the English definition. But in the Bible, uh, we find a lot more depth as to what this word um, means for us as Christians. And one of the things that we need to note is that the Bible describes Jesus as our intercessor. We find this in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 25, and it says, Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. I want you to just have a moment and look at this. The author of Hebrews is saying that Jesus is able to saved to the uttermost. is not just saved some, it's not just saved everyone, but it's saved to the uttermost. It is completely effective. This salvation is completely effective. And why is he completely effective at saving those who draw near to God? Because he's making intercession on their behalf. Pretty cool, right? Jesus, if I was to ever choose someone to be my intercessor, Someone who is going to really be praying for me and and intervening on my behalf, I would choose Jesus, right? It's pretty cool. Now, the word intercession in the Greek here, as I looked into it, there is um, a richer depth to it. I think sometimes because we grow up in church or maybe you've been around church and you hear the word intercessor and you conjure in your mind, especially uh, in the church that I was in, it tended to be older Asian ladies (laughs) who love waving flags in a small room and it sounds like they're screaming at each other and then I'm like intercessor Mm. (laughs) not for me anyone else like that so I understand that the word intercessor is a bit weird and there's some maybe preconceived notions that come with it. But what it actually means and how this word was put together in the Greek, it actually means that it's a, you are, if you're an intercessor, you are working on someone else's behalf for them to receive an unusual grace or mercy. You are working on behalf of someone else so that they receive an unusual grace. That is, um, uh, that is what an intercessor is doing. That's why when it says that Jesus lives to make intercession for us, He is working on our behalf to receive an unusual grace. We don't have to worry about earning anything with God because Jesus is already working it out for us. And He is effective at ensuring that we receive an unusual grace. And I love the word unusual that's in there. When I looked into it um, in the Greek, there was this sense that this gift that we are receiving is not just a normal gift, it is exceptional. It's unusual, it's not something that I could even imagine of. And that's what God has done for us. That he has worked on our behalf. How did Jesus work? His intercession was mainly on a cross, right? But then he continues to live and he continues to say, through my sacrifice, you live. And so, like I said, it's all good and well that Jesus is my intercessor. Let me just first... uh, I I just... When I was preparing this message, this thought just occurred to me when when the Hebrew author was trying to describe Jesus' actions as one of an intercessor, I was like, that is a beautiful thing that we need to hold on to. We need to ensure that we understand that Jesus' work doesn't require us to work for it. When we talk about the grace of God, it's not that I have matched Jesus one for one in His sacrifice and so now He deems me righteous no no no! it is that i did not re- deserve it i did not work towards it but jesus effectively worked so that i received an unusual mercy an unusual grace that i did not work for so that is the position that we have as christians that jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to him we already are righteous with god and now I believe that God is calling us to something deeper. However, when I think about that, that is what makes it bizarre to me. Jesus, the intercessor, makes sense to me. Jesus interceding on my behalf makes a lot of sense to me. Me being someone else's intercessor makes no sense to me. Anyone else in the same boat with me? So why would you ask me to intercede on someone else's behalf? It it it. it I'm like, Jesus as an effective intercessor. Yes, Nate as an effective intercessor. (laughs) If your life depended on my prayers, good luck to you. Like, I'll try. But there is a theme in the Bible that God doesn't just use Jesus as an intercessor. But he chooses to work with completely normal people and their intercession is effective. Let me show this to you. I've got two main characters I want to work through and that's Abraham and Moses. And I know that you might think about them as amazing heroes and all of that. But when you look at their lives, they are normal human beings who make a lot of errors along the way. But the one thing that they do have is a relationship with God. And that's all that mattered to to God. And so the first example is found in Genesis chapter 18. And let me just um, build this um, story up for you so you understand where it's coming from. See, God had just gone to Moses uh, and and Moses had given God a meal and they had this amazing time together. And then um, God reveals to Moses, and we're going to, sorry, Abraham, we're going to read this in a moment, about how he is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Two cities. Now, these cities are frankly disgusting. In Genesis 19, so you've got to read this for yourself. um, uh, God sends a couple of angels to go into uh, Sodom, where Abraham's nephew Lot had settled, to get Lot and his family out of Sodom. And as these two angels, who appeared in the form of men, went into the city, all the men of the city came to Lot's house and said, Give us those two men so that we can rape them. That's crazy. That should make you go, oh, like, What is wrong with this place? To the point where Lot actually says, I will give you my virgin daughters instead. I love that this is getting a reaction from you because this city does not deserve any grace. But when we think about the relationship to where we stand as a nation and where we are, you could put forward that there are some things that aren't that great either. But that is where Sodom is at. And God actually comes to Abraham and he has this conversation, Abraham, let's pick it up. Genesis eighteen seventeen to 21, it says, The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. And then uh, Abraham and God actually go into a negotiation phase. Go read this. This is, if you just look at this and you think there is this man having a conversation with God and they're having a negotiation. It is weird so God says. So Abraham goes to God and he says to God, uh, uh, God, I know that you are a just and righteous God, and so you will not punish the righteous with the wicked. And so, if there are fifty righteous people in the city, you won't destroy it, right? And God says, No, for fifty people, I won't. And then Moses, uh, Abraham, sorry, I keep mixing them up. Abraham goes, What about if there's five less than fifty, God? No, no, please pardon my impudence and and my boldness and coming to you and asking for this. But what are there five less? than 50 what if there's only 30 what if there's only 20 this conversation goes on and we see a negotiation going on this is a normal human being why did god bring this to abraham in the first place this place deserved justice god didn't need anything uh, to go forward with his path of uh, of retributive justice if you will these people were disgusting but yet God chooses to come to Abraham and have this conversation and allows Abraham to have a negotiation with him. This should be, okay, what's going on here? And I think that there's something beautiful about this picture because when God comes to Abraham and he starts to open his conversation, he actually says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? And then he goes, you know what? I've already chosen to have this relationship with Abraham to teach him my way so that he will teach that to the future generations and so that the whole world will be blessed in him. So you know what? I'm going to talk to you about this. Do you know that in the New Testament, we are called children of Abraham? What Abraham had with God, we are meant to have with God. We are the inheritors of Abraham's faith. We're not supposed to look at Abraham and go, oh, that's the father of faith. Well, you're the child of faith. You're still good. And the fact that God would say, and and kind of walk alongside Abraham and go, hey, you know what? I want to talk to you about something I'm about to do. It's nothing to do with you, but I'm going to have this conversation. I'm wondering if we don't so much approach God as an intercessor as much as if we have a relationship with God, he approaches us as though we already are intercessors. But in our relationship with God, are we open enough for him to reveal his intentions and his heart? Where he can say, you know what, I'm not going to hide from you what I'm going to do. So that you can make intercession on behalf of someone else or whether we go to god and we go like everything that god reveals to me is about me is my personal faith there's nowhere in the bible where it says you're meant to have a personal faith that is western individualistic crap that you need to get rid of our faith is deeply personal and is deeply corporate we are not supposed to get annoyed that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's like, no, no, God so loved Nate. That's the story of the Bible. For God said, so, No, God loved the world. He loves others as much as he loves you. So get over the fact that you're not the only person on the face of the planet. And your personal faith stinks because our faith is meant to move us into action, according to the book of James. And so... Abraham has this moment with God where God says to him, I'm going to reveal to you, I put forward to you Christians, that if you have a relationship with God, he is going to reveal his heart and his intentions and opens up a conversation with you. Now this is weird. Can we change God's mind? That is one of the questions that people wrestle with all the time. That's not the question I'm going to answer today. But what I'm going to put forward to you is that God spoke to Abraham and said, this is what I intend. Abraham said, okay, God, if that's what you intend, I put forward to you, you're a God of justice and mercy and, and, and you, you're not going to punish the righteous. Or the weak. What did Abraham do? He didn't ask God to do something that's outside of his character. Yes, right. Abraham wasn't going to God and saying, God, I know that, that, that you like to turn a blind eye to stuff. He didn't say that he didn't say god i know that sometimes you overlook certain things and so i'm going to help you here no he said god i know who you are and so i'm struggling with this intention that you've got because it looks like that's not very fair and so what let me let me just put forward a scenario if there are 50 righteous people now as it turns out the two angels they go into sodom and they only find lot's family as righteous there's one family in the whole city that is righteous. All the rest are rapists, violent, disgusting people. And so they get hellfire rained on them. That's crazy. But my whole thought around here is that when God reveals something to you, what are you doing about it? If we are having conversations and relationship with God, could it be that we're missing the point if we just kind of like, don't talk to me about Sodom. Talk to me about my blessed child that you're wanting to give me. What if we allow God to lead the conversations a bit more? Where are we going to go with that? So I want to go to this second example and that is moses because i think that this is a another really interesting one i want to land um with moses intercessions see in this story we find it in exodus chapter 32 to 33 and what had happened is that moses had led the people out of egypt to mount sinai i've used this story many times and um as moses goes up to mount sinai to receive the ten commandments um, the israelites build his golden calf and now I've mentioned this before, just want to mention it again so you hold this holders in mind. This is the Israelites committing adultery on their wedding night. That's what theologians say. This is another disgusting act. Uh, um, and, and so these people don't deserve mercy and grace. They, they, they don't deserve it. <laughs> they, they, they've done something absolutely terrible. And, and so Moses is with God receiving the Ten Commandments, he's received it. And then uh, God says, um, Moses, hang on, you need to go back down to the people because they have gone into idolatry already. And so, you know what? Uh, I'm going to wipe them out because I'm done with them. This is what God says in my paraphrase. Uh, And I'm going to restart with you, Moses. Like, seriously, God was like, I'm done with the Israelites. You, I will raise and your family becomes the new Israel. That's what I'm going to do. So, what does Moses do? Exodus 32, 11 to 14. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent, did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by yourself and said to them, I will multiply your offerings. Offspring, etc., etc. Verse 14, and the Lord relented from the disaster he had spoken of bringing on his people. Once again, does God change his mind? There's probably a bit more nuance here than we can cover, but what we know is that he said, I'm done with them, and then Moses prayed, and then God relented from the disaster. And how did Moses do this? He did this once again uh, uh, by speaking to uh, God's intentions and God's plans. He said, You brought these people out of Egypt in order to set them up as the representative of you. And now you wipe them out. How's that going to represent you to the other people? So Moses actually uses uh, a, a very interesting argument here. But then from there, Moses goes down and he sees the chaos for himself. And he's like, Oh my gosh, go read that for yourself. It's kind of weird. Moses actually gets the Levites to go slaughter 3,000 of the Israelites because of their sinfulness. And then he tells them, look, guys, you better mourn, you better fast, you better put on sackcloth. I'm going to go back to God to pray for you because this is worse than I thought. I think maybe the first intercession Moses was like, surely, is like three people who are doing something stupid. And now he's like, oh, it's all of you guys. Seriously, it's all of you, all of you. And then he was like, oh, I better pray more for you guys. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting. And then he goes back to God, and in Exodus 32, verses 31 to 35, Moses returns to the Lord and says, Alas, this people have sinned a great sin. He's like, you were right. <laughs> you were right, God. They are terrible. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book, that you have written but now but the Lord said to Moses whoever sinned against me I will blot out of my book but now go lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you behold my angel shall go before you nevertheless in the day when I visit I will visit their sin upon them then the Lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf the one that Aaron made this is intercession Moses intervening on behalf of the people asking for an unusual grace and god gives this grace but there's still a consequence see as intercessors we are not meant to control the outcomes as much as we are asking god to move according to his character is because we understand that this is god who is righteous and he is just and he's merciful and he knows best but we are coming to him and it's almost as if god is showing off um a human quality of needing to work through his anger in this story it's kind of interesting but we are made in the image of god and so it wouldn't i wouldn't put past god to have anger and rage but He works with us in processing his rage. Or at least that's the kind of picture that I have. And that's kind of interesting. You know, I think that intercessors aren't gone around wailing and screaming at God and telling God what he's supposed to do. That's not the picture of intercession here. The picture of intercession is that Moses understands where god is coming from and he's also seen where the people are coming from and he's going i don't know how to reconcile this garden but please don't destroy these people there's something good that can come off this and so god relents now i want to camp on this final intercession so moses prays three times in this particular story and the third one is interesting because um, if you look at it in the esv translations and i think in many other translations um, quite often you have little headings in your bible it kind of breaks up the big text and it gives you a sense of where things are at and in this particular story um, the heading is moses's intercession this is not the heading for the previous two times It was just part of the narrative, it was part of the story. But we hit Exodus 33, 12 to 23, and it says Moses' intercession. I want to read this to you because it reads quite differently from the previous two times that Moses was interceding on behalf of the Israelites. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. So that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth. So in this moment, there's a second portion to it. But Moses is saying, you have made me the leader of these people. You told me to do something about this. And you said that you're going to give me favor. I'm not seeing your favor. I want your favor, God. Don't send me to do this business if you're not going to go with me. And God says, I will go with you. You have found favor in my sight. It's interesting, isn't it? and then in verse 17 and the lord said to moses this very thing that you have spoken i will do for you have found favor in my sight and i know you by name moses said please show me your glory and he said and god said i will make all my goodness pass before you and i will proclaim before you my name from here god puts moses on a cliff and then covers his eyes and passes in front of him and then takes his hand away so that God, sorry, Moses sees God's back. And then he proclaims his name in the middle of this and he says, the Lord, the Lord, slow to anger and abounding in love. Go read this very famous passage. This is a deep revelation of who God is. Moses' third intercession doesn't sound a lot like, God, you need to do something about that. God, you need to do something about that. God, you need to do something about that. that. The third intercession that moses makes is this god show me more of who you are and be with me so that i can do something on behalf of those people this is something that has been stirring in my heart this last week that that we need to have a realization that if any one of you are feeling dead and dry in your prayer time is because possibly you're being too selfish You're praying for yourself all the time. Maybe God wants to reveal more of himself to you when you start understanding the role and the function that God has asked you to play and that you understand that you are living for other people. The intercessor has a glimpse into God's face and his goodness and his personhood. The intercessor is closer to God than the other people because the intercessor stands before God. And if you are thinking that your prayer life is dry, it's because you're not meeting God face to face. And why are you not meeting God face to face? Maybe it's because you're not standing on behalf of someone else that God loves. I'm not trying to, maybe I am overstating this a little bit. There is no problem in praying for yourself. Moses in this prayer says, Show me your glory. I would think that as an intercessor, part of my prayers like God, show them your glory so that they will follow you more. But he says, Show me. I know my role. I know my place. You may be their leader. Show me your glory, and I will know that your favor rests upon me, and I will continue in this role because you have empowered me for it. I was listening to this just yesterday. There's this podcast, and this lady was talking about the evolution of quiet time. How many people know about quiet time? Most of us live in an age where if you've been in church long enough, people will ask you, you need to develop a quiet time. Quiet time is 50 years old. Before that, no one called it quiet time. And in fact, just before it became quiet time, it was called something more like morning preparations. Because when people used to wake up, they weren't in a place where I need to have my quiet Zen time with God. They were saying, God, prepare me for today, because I know that you've got great works ahead of me. God, you show me what you intend to do, and you help me to walk in your ways, because there are people that are about to be impacted by my life. The understanding of that morning time with God was actually a um, military-like understanding. This is a preparation time. I'm going into war today. I'm going into war today, not just for myself, but for other people, and therefore I need to get ready. But somehow we've evolved in our quiet time so much so that we think that it's about a nice smelling candle, no kids running through your hair and having as much time as you want beautiful music birds singing in the trees and then god speaks to you about how beautiful you are and how much he loves you god loves you and then he tells you love other people we need to wake up christians because when we think that christianity is all about what i get what i get what i get god gets bored of that relationship I might be overstating it. That's my thought. I love my son, but right now he's demanding and asking things for himself all the time. I want him to grow up. I want to love other people. I want him to share. I want him to consider other human beings. But I love him. And that's why I want him to grow up. Because that selfishness, if it continues, will become a problem in the future. So how, I, how is it that we relate to God as though we can just, our prayer life is about demanding more from me. God answers the prayer of more when it's in the context of me living out my life on behalf of others. Moses went to God and says, if you're going to blot them out, blot me out. When we dare to pray prayers like that for our loved ones, when we dare to say, God, if you don't, show more grace and mercy to my loved ones, then I don't know how I'm going to follow you. Wipe me out. When we have that depth of care for our community, Moses wasn't praying for his family. He was praying for a nation of four million people. And he said, if you wipe them out, wipe me out. So you don't know, Joe Bloke, who is getting drunk and worshipping that idol. I mean, he knew his brother, who was a bit of a dropkick. But he was interceding on behalf of a whole bunch of people he didn't know. That's one of the things that has struck me. It's like, we get so personal about this. God, I want my loved ones. What about God's loved ones? What did we learn to be concerned about the things that God is concerned for? Wouldn't that mean that we get closer to his heart? Wouldn't that mean that we get a deeper revelation of who he is and how he operates? As I walk with my wife, as I journey with my wife, when I find out something that she loves, I learn to love. Not necessarily because I personally love it, but because I love that she loves it. She loves long walks on days off. I love sitting down on days off. (laughs) So what do we do? We go for long walks on our days off. Because it's building that relationship. So how are we supposed to think that our relationship with God's going to grow when we never do the things he loves? We never talk to him about the things that he loves. Let me show you a couple of verses that hopefully bring home how important intercessors are. In Isaiah 59, verse 16, we read this. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. There's a prophecy about Jesus. But I want you to note that the thing that grieved God's heart was not that there was so much wickedness and sin in the world, but that there was no person to intercede. It grieved God's heart that there wasn't someone that was willing to pray to stand on behalf of others. Let me bring you one more verse, one more passage, 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 4. First of all then, first of all, this is an important one, first of all then, i urge that supplications prayers intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all who are in high positions that we may live lead a peaceful and quiet life godly and dignified in every way now kings and all those in high positions when at that time of writing was the roman empire they were not nice people they were not good people they were terrible people but yet paul still says pray for them why he said pray for those is not oh just pray for your leaders but it's like pray for your enemies pray for those who are wicked and evil and then he goes on in verse 3 this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of god our savior who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth what is good and pleasing in the sight of god praying and interceding on behalf of others It's not reading your Bible every day. Please do that. That helps you in your prayers. It's not raising your hands in worship. Please do that. That's a great way to worship. But it's praying and interceding on behalf of others. When I'm interceding, I am standing in the gap of others, and God loves it. God loves it. God loves it. When we go for 12-hour prayer, It's not for you to get more breakthroughs so that you get a better person. It's for you to intercede on behalf of other people because God loves it. When we meet once a month, just for an hour, to pray for our church and to pray into what God wants to do, This is not just so that we feel all good and fuzzy about ourselves, but we're doing it because it pleases God, and God loves it when we stand on behalf of others. The next few weeks, we're going to talk about effective prayer, because this is not just about, God, I just want to tickle your ears. No, 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 there's something going on here, and I want to go there the next few weeks, but I want you to understand that God loves intercessors. God loves those that are willing to work for other people, so that they would receive an unusual grace. And at the same time, what God loves, God blesses. What God loves, there is an outpouring. I think that God particularly gave me this um, experience last week in preparation for what was taking place. And really, as I did the research, everything came together, I was like, that's beautiful. See, last week at Upper Room, we probably had one of the lowest attendances we had for an Upper Room, being honest. And I went there and I was a bit like, oh, you know, here we go. Being honest, sometimes it's a pastor's heart because you put things on and people don't want to come. And so I went there, probably with a stinky attitude. And then um, I said, like, all right, let's worship. But as we started to worship, I felt God put on my heart, this is a time to pray for lift. Let's pray for more of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray for more of what God wants to do. And so we started to do that, and, and my heart started to shift. My stinky attitude left. I need to deal with me, yes, I admit it. And as we got through some of those prayers, and I started to really feel, wow, this is something that's really special. The presence of God is in this place. This is amazing. And then God put a word in my heart. It so was about halfway through, and it was the word miscarriage. And that broke me. I didn't even know why, but this word carried such a heaviness in my heart. And I started to ask God, God, what is this about? And why did you show me that word? And I felt God reveal to me that there has been a miscarriage of the life that he wants to bring to lift. Somehow along the way, something happened, and the life that was meant to be in this church was miscarried. As I went through this week, I felt like that was what, it was a bit like the Abraham God encounter, where he's like, I'm going to show you what has happened. I'm going to show you my intention. And so for a while, all those that were there, we were on our knees. And we were praying and I was weeping. I was weeping because I saw that God wanted to bring something beautiful and that didn't happen. And I was praying and I was grieving the loss. And I think a part of that is because God was showing me that He is grieving that loss. He is grieving what He wanted to bring to our church. And so there was something that was moving inside of me, and I think that was God's heart. I was like, wow, God. What a loss. But as we continue to pray, something shifted and something lifted in my heart. And that's when people started to pray into the next season and the promises of God and the sense that, yes, there was a miscarriage, but there's still more opportunity for life. There is life coming, there is life coming, there's life coming. Let me tell you, there have been incidences and situations happening over the last few days that is showing me that this is true. There are people that are coming back into this church because I think this is God's season and what He's wanting to do. But in that moment, more than anything, something changed inside of me. As I interceded, God showed His glory in a way that I've got to say, I've not really sensed or felt or been in for a few years. It was the most beautiful time. I'm not angry with people who weren't there, who maybe should have been there. That's not the point of what I'm trying to say here. The whole point is that I went in with a bad attitude. I interceded. God revealed himself. I went in thinking, oh, here we go, let's just get through this. I interceded. And I went, this was the most beautiful time that i've had with god in the last few years i wonder how many of us i don't know how to pray just to get this over with But you step into intercession praying over other people catching god's intent and god reveals his glory i wonder how many of us are dry on the inside God, I've been working hard and I'm weary and tired. But you know what? In this place, I'm going to pray for your people. God's going to reveal his glory. There's nothing wrong with having times with God that is intimate and beautiful between you and him. I believe that that's so important. However, I believe that in the culture that we are in of radical individualization. I think that there's a lost power in intercession because we delegate it to those who scream and shout in closed doors that we don't understand. That is not necessarily intercession. That is a form of intercession. All of us can stand on the behalf of someone else and work for them to receive an unusual grace. We can all do that. We can all do that. I will show that to you next week as well. We can all do that. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.